Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome back to the Coach HP Show. If you haven't yet, okay, take the time right now to subscribe to the number one positivity podcast in planet earth the sun has three planets before it gets to earth before it gets to earth there's the sun that's not a planet it's a star it's facts it's what i learned in science then we got mercury then we got venus then we got earth and planet earth there's something called podcast there's positivity this is the number one podcast in that Please subscribe. Please give me a little something in the description. Let me know what's up. But I appreciate it. Now, let's get to the show. Episode 95 of the Coach HP show. She rose from literally nothing. Issues with the mom. Supportive dad. But still had the dance passion in her blood. She went out and looked for it. She hustled. The world told her no. She said yes. She kept hustling. She kept making moves. Entered the way of a heat dancer, which is very difficult, super competitive. Did that. Moved to Los Angeles. Was an art dealer, which that's a crazy world in itself. To then come back to South Florida. Now with her own podcast. Tremendous story of overcoming addiction, overcoming Stuff like postpartum, overcoming depression, all the good stuff. Plus my tremendous McGriddle story, which is one of the highlights of this whole thing. I'm so excited to share episode 95 of the Coach HP Show with my girl, Nikki Spolstra. Let's go. Three, two, one, boom. boom. All right, guys, and there we it are. Is. Thank you so on much for watching, Mickey, hearing, Mickey, when was the last time somebody called thing? you, Nicole? Please oh give her a follow. I mean, like her my, podcast my grade school is teachers? Like the, the first no day of school? With high school, Nikki maybe? It's doing great. Really? Hold on, Nikki, hold on, because I'm hearing you through the thing. I want to hear you through this. Hold on a second. But listen, we got to always learn from women. We come from women, so we got to learn from women. So strongly recommend it. Can you hear me now? Thank you, yeah. guys. Oh, perfect. There Thank we go. The now I got you. Amazing. At Coach Amazing. HP. Was on it where in grade school, you said? Yeah. I mean, the last time somebody called I me Nicole was like probably the what? Best first, day ever. The, the first See day of high school of like 12th grade. It's been a long time. Dude, you've done enough of this already to where now you have a sample size. Being a podcaster. Oh, yeah. What do you, what has been interesting to you? What do you mean? Like, you know what? That was cool. This thing sucked. Talk to me. Oh my gosh. You know, I've, I've found that like when I am interviewing people, it's really important for me to have like preliminary conversations with them. Um, because sometimes like things don't always translate and people don't always want to do a podcast. Like they think they might want to do it and they don't want to do it. You're absolutely right. Especially (laughs) as I did research on you, here's the tricky part. There's people 
flirting in the podcast world that shouldn't be in the podcast world. Oh, man. Yeah. And when you interview them and they interview you, you can tell they don't know how to do the zigzag because I think they get stuck in if they don't know if they're being ABC or if they're being, hey, girl, what's up? Do you notice that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes I think it's hard for people to get vulnerable as it is. Like people are really concerned and we all are guilty of it, right? Like I'm guilty of it too. Like I'm concerned on some level, on some capacity about like what people think of me, if I'm going to sound like a, like an idiot or like what's going to come out of my mouth and is that going to be stupid or what? And um, I think it's like, it's hard, like, and, and it takes practice, right? So like you only... Like it's, I don't know that it ever gets like super comfortable, right? Because you know that you're putting yourself out there and anytime that you're leaving yourself vulnerable to a lot of people or even like on any type of platform where people can like look and say, okay, have an opinion about it. Like that's really intimidating for people. And so like in that, like you, people think maybe, oh yeah, like I think doing a podcast would be fun or being a guest on a podcast would be fun. Um, but then you get in the moment sometimes and it's like, oh shit, what I do, what I sign up for, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to make this smooth over? You know, things like that. No, and you cut the time. You find yourself looking at the clock and going, okay, this is going to be at least 20 minutes. And we're going to cut. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think, look, already the way you sound right now, right now is way better than cause you're so natural right now that it's only going to get better. And it's really going to translate on your show because when you're being interviewed it's almost like listen i don't have the pressure you don't have prepared questions right you're chill right so you're yeah. like yeah it's a party but when it's the other way it's almost like you're hosting the party so you're worried about the person carrying the conversation do you notice that with you totally totally i'm like like and i have like five versions of the same question like ready in case I like don't get the answer oh that I want, God. right? Oh I'm like, that's, my not, God. that's not what I wanted you to say. Like oh I'm totally my... in, like I'm trying to control the situation, which is like part of like a program that I run. I'm like trying to relinquish control, like not be so controlling, <laughs> such a control freak. Um, but yeah, like I'm like, okay, what if they don't? I, this is what I want to hear. What if they don't answer the way I want them to? Let me ask this question in five different scenarios. And like sometimes people are like, like I said before, <laughs> I'm like, I'm in my head. I'm like, but it wasn't how I wanted no, you to say it. And especially you're interviewing serious people. So th th these are not like, you're interviewing comedians, you hear people that are fucking around. You're interviewing serious people that yeah. I'm sure everything gets taken literally. So they're like, no, 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 Nicole, like I said before, like I reiterate, let me reiterate. I think a show that would be awesome is you taking control of conversations. Oh, and just seeing people's and just being people's reactions and li literally you saying okay that's not the way i wanted it like you're talking to a camera now we're gonna go this way i think that'd be so cool man the art of dancing i've been uh so i've there's two other former heat cheerleaders that dancers. i've worked hold on sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i've messed that up fuck dancers <laughs> two former dancers that i'm very good friends with and that I've trained their kids, right? So with you now, the dancing thing, mm -hmm. how do you view that for girls? I'm sure when you were coming up, people thought that was the biggest joke of the world. Like, you're going to be a dancer. Are you crazy? How do you see that? Man, no. I actually, I, I never, ever got that when I was growing up. Like, oh, it's a joke. You're going to be a dancer. Like, it was the best form of self-expression that I could have ever had in the shit show that was my upbringing. You know, and like, I need to put a disclaimer out there. Like, my, just because like some parts of my life were a total, um, were total chaos. Like, there were also like really great parts of my life too. And dance, my, like, my... 
you know, like all my years dancing, though, those were really special moments in my life, like my coaches and my teammates and having that bond with the people. And, you know, I don't, I don't think it was crazy at all. Like I don't, to me, I wasn't even thinking I wanted to make a create a career out of it. I just, I just wanted to express myself because my voice had been taken from me early on and I didn't have another way to express myself. So like going to the dance studio, being the first one there and the last one to leave was a way for me to get out of my house and really like live right. And feel alive for like those hours in that day. Like, I don't think there was any type of concept, like, this is what I want to do. Like not even until later, like my dad was the one who told me to try out for the Miami heat dancers. I was like, honestly, straight up. I was like, those are a bunch of hoochies that shake, <laughs> shake their tush and they're at the heat. Games, and hook up know? with players and coaches. What do you think? Wow. Come on now. Come on now. No, I have a whole thing to say about that. Well, I'll get really real with you about that. If you we'll want to get to that later. No, we'll get to that later. Listen, okay. it's interesting because I have so much empathy for you because every interview that I tried to see of you, people go real deep. And it's hard because once you go that deep with you, it's like, dude, let's come out. Let's breathe a little bit. But they just, yeah. it just stays in there, you know, and I can relate to you on so many levels. But before we get into all that, because we have so many similarities, the dancing part, mm -hmm. did you have a natural gift towards it? Do you have rhythm? How did you become such a good dancer? Thanks. I think one of my gifts is um, my connection to sound and music. And so like I feel music, right? And I can hear like the intricacies of music and pitch and all these things. And so that makes, I think that that makes me deeply connected to music and like it gives me an ability to now like move my body to it. Um, I am not the most talented dancer. I, I'm a good dancer. I'm a quality dancer. I work really hard. I worked really hard at being great. And I, I was never actually um, technically trained. Like I learned, I, I call it the street, but it wasn't the street. Like I would watch other kids dancing and I would try to pick it up. Like I would teach myself, I'd go back to my house and dance in my room and I would teach myself. I didn't have a formal training. Um, and I did competitive cheerleading for a while and that got me into dance. Uh, but that was like a whole, it was a whole different environment. I didn't have somebody, I taught myself all the technical things of, of dance. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I was like, exceptionally good. But I, what I do think that I had was presence and I had a deep capacity to feel and inspire feeling in others. So I think that's where my skill really was. And so I always joke that I didn't make the heat dancers because I was a great dancer, but more because I had like presence. Yeah. The um, vibe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You had that vibe, that vibe. You can't listen. It's hard to teach that vibe. You're either born with that or you learn little tricks to get it. So that's interesting. Who's your person then? Was it J-Lo? Who's your dancer? Because I'm sure it was a dance fever. Who do you... Well, I'm like Team Britney all the way. Like, really? Like, I am so Team Britney. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like J-Lo was up there. Shakira was up there too. Um, but yeah. Britney. What's going yeah. on with her family situation? That's a crazy situation, huh? Man, I don't know. I try not to get into it because it like takes me back to my like teen years and my like how how heartbroken I was when she broke up with Justin Timberlake, which whatever, you know. <laughs> let, me tell, too, let, me, let me tell you a funny story. My boy in Los Angeles was a bail bondsman and he lived in this community in I, it's in the valley and mm. slash lived in front of him and next to him k-fed lived mm. and k-fed every time i went to his house k-fed was outside just playing ping pong no oh, funny <laughs> with a with a wife beater on just the happiest guy that was just playing ping pong all day long it was the best man i mean i think he only owned wife beaters right 
I, it was, and you know, what's another interesting thing that you bring up, Brittany. I remember I was in Vegas when, when the whole Brittany thing to her to perform at mm. the, at the planet Hollywood, <clears throat> mm. which she was horrible. Cause the poor girl, she didn't even move. It was, I heard everybody that went was a disaster, Man. but I remember her talking about the guy who negotiated, I think it was Michael Jackson, somebody huge to go on the strip had talked to Britney to bring mm. Britney to Vegas, Britney in her Haiti yeah. and her, and look how sad her response was. There's no way I can have my husband in Vegas for a residency. How oh. crazy is that? Huh? That sucks that she knew she was with a, with a maniac, man. That is crazy. You now you did the dancing. How long were you a heat dancer for? I was a dancer for three years for the heat for three years. Mm -hmm. How hard is it to learn the moves? Uh, yeah, it was hard. I like, I, I get in my head a lot. So like I get anxiety and I start to like freak out, but I actually like, I can retain information pretty well. And then I, I actually went on to teach dance, like while I was a dancer, while I was a heat dancer. And like when I became a teacher, that's when I was really able to retain choreography. And I think that's really interesting about like teaching, right? When you start to teach things, like it's almost like you have an, uh, an opportunity to relearn the craft yeah. or like yeah. the, the subject matter or whatever it is that you're studying or teaching. Dude, when you dance, do you fight for position? How do you know oh who God. goes, who well, goes to the then, I don't know how it is now, but like back then they, we would, <laughs> even in like auditions, you would, they would um, group you by like what you looked like. Right. So like all the fair skinned blonde girls would be together, but then all like the Latina looking blonde girls would be together. And then like the light skinned Latina girls and the dark skinned Latina girls and then light skinned black girls and the light skinned, uh, I mean, the dark skinned black girls and then like Asian women, like, you know, so it was like that. It was like really competitive in that way. Uh -huh. um, and then like, even like to perform at the game, you, you would, um, you would try out to be in the game. Like you had to qualify to be in the game. Like to no perform at the game. Yeah. So then what, if you don't get picked, what do you sit on the bench or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They would see you like, you wouldn't be able to go on the court. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, you've these past couple of days, you've been endorsing what some fashion thing or something. Uh, yeah, so I've been working with a um, a company called Shopflix. They're a startup, and so they're just Look like interviewing. You. They have like a t they have a little show that they're pursuing. It's not a little show. We're hoping that it, like it goes big, but um, it's a shopping network, and so they're interviewing with local business owners around like different hotspots of Miami that feature art. So for right. me, that was like a a no brainer because I'm I'm getting into this like sphere of hosting. Hell first yeah. of all, second of all, there's like has an art element in it. I studied art history and I was an art dealer after I became a heat dancer. No and way, you were yeah. an art dealer mm -hmm. like Jeffrey Loria. Look at no that. <laughs> Let's talk that dude. That's an interesting subject. Let's talk about the art world. Yeah. How do you get that eye? You know, I mean. I, I studied art history, right? In the art world, I think you generally have to have an appreciation for art in the gallery world, right? Like, cause there's two ways you can go about it. Like if you study art, you can either be a gallerist or you can like work in a museum, but working in a museum, you have to go like get a PhD and speak like seven languages. I'm being, I'm being like dramatic, but you have to definitely. Oh, no, you have, it's a different culture. It's a different culture. Exactly. Um, and so it's like, it's a lot of education. It's academia, you know, and then if you're like me and you got a bachelor's degree in art history or, and honestly, in anything, you can go into an art gallery space. And as long as you're a great salesperson, you'll make a killing doing it. Um, really? but 
Yeah, for sure. Like it's a sales job. And I didn't know that when I was coming out of college, I was like, so at first I had such a funky relationship with money. Like my relationship with money then was so messed up. Like it was just, I was a hoarder. I didn't want to spend money. I like looked at people who had money. Like they were like arrogant. All of them were arrogant. Like, right. right. I stereotyped right. people with money as like arrogant assholes, which right. is so like false. Like it is like a false thing that I created in my own head. Right, 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 right. So it made it, it actually made it hard for me to sell art because I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm selling Ferraris to a bunch of rich, pretentious people. Uh, and there, and I'm not saying that there's not that, like there are a ton of people in the art market that are pretentious regardless of their income. Right. right. It's going to be, you're going to find everything everywhere you go. Uh, but like I, once I had my kids, I came back around um, afterwards and I, I started selling art again and like, just, I had done so much work in that time that my relationship with money and the cost of things and the value of art as a whole has changed. And I actually became a lot better at it. And it's crazy because like back in my early twenties, when I was selling art and had all these like, whatever beefs in my mind with like the industry, I was still making like really good money as an art dealer. And so there's a ton of money in art especially right now during the pandemic, the art industry like took off because people were spending so much time in their homes. Right. So the people who had the income to like to spend, they were like, okay, let me like, let me, now is the time for me to invest in art since I'm here all the time. The eye is really like to answer your question about how do you have the eye for that? I think it depends on like which gallery you're working with. Like you have to be intentional, intentional about what gallery space you're partnering it with. Right? Like I do like, I do enjoy street art. Uh, my taste is like, I think my taste is my own. It's definitely more contemporary, more like, I want to say out of the box, but that sounds like so generic. All right. Like I'm using a generic term to try to describe something that is not Ricky, generic. Is that, is that picture behind you? Is that your vibe? Uh, yeah. So this is like more modern art, like a little bit older. Um, this is like one of those frame TVs. It's like people oh. actually think it's a piece of art. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Dude, what's your favorite piece of art then that you own? You have to I mean, have one. That I, that I own. I I own um artwork from this artist named Flory. His name is Christopher Florentino. He's amazing. He does. It's like, it's not street art because he is using like watercolor and acrylics and, and all types of mediums and crayons. But it's just like he has this whole series, like Cubist series that like touches on the Cubist period from way back when. And then he also does like a modern series, which I totally love. It's super, super colorful. It's abstract, um, but it's fresh and it's new. So it doesn't feel like fuddy duddy. I don't know. It doesn't feel like old fogey. Nikki, isn't it awesome that you hear you talk right now about whatever you're passionate about? Isn't that the best thing in the world? I love it for sure. It's crazy. It's the best yeah? thing in the world. Yeah. The, the, the key is how do you think now as a parent, right? you're going to be able to transfer that to the boys. Do you think about that a lot? Absolutely. I think that we are always, like our kids are just learning so much from us all the time. So like we have a piano in my home. It's the piano that I had from when I was five years old that my parents bought me when I was five. It's a baby grand piano. We have it. They, they play on it all the time. So they're exposed to the things that are part of my husband and I's life, right? They're exposed to sports. They're exposed to music. They're exposed to like, I know like we watch movies because we, I love cinema and I love plot development and I love language and I love storytelling, right? Like these are things that I love that I'm like trying to instill in my kids' lives, but also like having to work hard and seeing their mom and dad go to work, right? Like they see their, their father on TV, 
You know, we right. have discussions about travel, which is hard for little kids to understand. Like little kids don't have a concept of like time so much, right? So they just think sometimes that daddy's leaving and we make an intention in our home to discuss what he's doing, right? Even today, like I'm, I'm like, okay, I tell my kids, I'm like, all right, mommy's going to record something for work. And my son asked me, are you leaving? I said, no, I'm going to be working. I'm going to be home, but I'm going to be working and you can come visit me afterwards. And it's just right. like instilling that we more than like the work to like make money, it's working to fulfill your heart, right? The things that you love to do. Like I always tell them, I don't tell them because they're three and one and a half. So let me, yeah, let, me yeah, yeah. let me get this straight. I When I think about parenting and I talk about it with my peers, I tell them that like, I, I don't want my, I, if my kids want to be a plumber, a custodian, a male person, a firefighter, a professional a coach, a whatever. Yeah. Like I, I just, if it fulfills them and it makes them happy and they have a sense of peace in doing it, you know, if it's because of the job consistency, if it's because of consistent income, whatever it is, I just want them to find peace and be proud of what they're doing and do it with integrity. I love that. I love that. Nikki. So I, when I had, I had George Lopez on the podcast mm -hmm. and when I talked to him, he said something real interesting. He said, when people, cause he comes from a fucked up background also, he goes, man, when people start sharing their stories, it's almost like a one-up thing. Like, oh, you thought your situation was bad? My situation, look at my situation, blah, 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 right? And I was, I was, man, that's interesting. What I try to do is I try to share in the fucked upness, like, dude, this sucked for everybody, you know? So you mentioned from what I've heard, your mom mm. comes up, right? Mm -hmm. Your dad, let's start off with him because I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Usually girls are daddy's girls and they mm -hmm. look up to them and their dad sends. If I could tell any guy advice and, and it's interesting, any guy advice when they pick somebody is look at the relationship with the dad, mm. look at the girl relationship with that, because if not, listen, you're going to, it's, it's going to be work. How was your relationship with your dad? My dad is the best human being I know in this world. Uh, my dad, my relationship with my father growing up, you know, it, it was really, it's sad when I look back because I'm like, there were so many years that my dad probably felt really isolated in his marriage and I'm an only child. And so like, I felt isolated from my mother and abandoned by my mother in so many horrific ways. But my dad and I were buddies. We did everything together. So like my mom would fall asleep really early and, um, my dad and I would go do things. We'd go to the movies. We'd go to like, y'all remember Hot Wheels and Kendall? Oh, yeah. Monday nights at Hot Wheels. Oh yeah. So like he was, he was my best friend. Like he, I wanted to be a dancer. So he made it happen for me. He knew he learned all this dance terminology. Like I said, he was the one who inspired me to try out for the Miami Heat dancers. I, the first game that I ever went to was because he got me tickets to see the dancers, not to watch the basketball game. So I don't, I didn't know who we were playing or what the deal was, but that's what it was. And he was my biggest, biggest supporter. And my relationship with him like evolved through time, right? Because after that, you know, when my parents got divorced, he started seeing someone. And how old were you when they got divorced, Nikki? I, I was 18 when my parents got divorced. Pretty old, pretty old. Yeah, yeah. I was totally like a young adult, you know? But right. like at the same time, like my my childhood was really like dysfunctional in a lot of ways. And so we can talk about like how mature I was and in, in like I was an adult in so many ways. Right. But I was like a child in so many other important ways. So my dad remarried. She was like, whatever. She's not awesome. And she kind of like Cinderella. You knew her from the beginning, Nikki. You're like, this is going to suck. You could tell. Yeah. 
I was like, this is not good. And you told and then, him? Did you tell him? Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't listen? No. But like, and like at the time I was really pissed off about it, right? Like I was pissed because like this was my person, right? In hindsight, now as an adult, I know that my dad deserved to try to find his own happiness. Like I know that as an adult, like he deserved to find his own happiness. My dad is pretty young too. Like he's 60 now, you know, he's, he's a young dude. He, he had his life ahead of him still. So, but it was like a Cinderella situation. Like ma, like new lady came in, like kicked me out of the house, moved her daughter in and I was on my own. Yeah. And I was pissed off too. So like I worked three jobs. I like, I was a dance teacher, worked at an, like a frou-frou clothing boutique at the village of Merrick park. And which one, which, which boutique at Diane von Furstenberg. Uh, yeah. So DVF super like powerhouse women supporting women lady. And, um, I, I go, go danced at cameo and live at night. You know, like that was, that's what I did because I was paying my own bills. I was, I was hustling to like pay my rent on my own and like pay my tuition and which I graduated having no debt, which I was really proud of because Logo I dance like the girls that dance in the clubs with their clothes on. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Not, just make, not, just even though, even though we will hold out, they're not wearing dresses either. They're dressed pretty okay. sexy. All Come right. on, Nikki. Come on, yeah. Nikki Spo. Fine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, <laughs> Unless it was church night and you're up there with the long dresses. I'm sure that that's doing sexy. Okay, fine. It was it was cute. Yeah. It was I know it was cute. Now, how hard was that for you, man? Because you're you like, fuck, I'm gonna go dance now. Because if you're a bottle service girl, you could kind of hide whatever you're going through because you're literally making so much money. But as a dancer in clubs, I don't think you're crushing it. So how no. hard was that to yourself? Like, fuck, I gotta go dance at a club now. It sucked. It sucked, it sucked. right? It yeah. sucked. I hated it. I went through some shit like during that time in my life. Like Oh, it was bad. It was bad. It was a bad time in my life. I was like, my dad is not in my life anymore. Like we stopped talking altogether. Like I'm hustling nonstop. I have no life. I don't know where I'm going. Like, I don't know what, where I'm going to get. Nikki, at the time you were single? I mean, kind of. Kind like kind of there? No, because really. I, I was, as if you have a, if you're dating a dude, right? Listen, no dude wants his chick dancing at a club. That's number one, because it's so hard, unless you, you really care about the girl. That must have been hard too, right? Like dealing with a relationship, like, fuck, this shit sucks, right? Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to like stay with people. It was hard to like get to know people. It just, it wasn't, it, it, it was not a, an ideal circumstance, but I did wind up hustling so hard and I saved all my money and then I moved to LA and I was like, YOLO, F it, I'm going, I'm leaving. You lived in LA? I didn't know I you lived in LA. I out of Dodge, you know, like I was just like, I got to get out of here. Where did you live in LA? Oh, West Hollywood, which I, I wouldn't do if I ever had What to part of West there. Hollywood? I lived on Fountain and Fuller, right by Running <laughs> Canyon. Nikki Spo, I lived here. You want to hear my LA story? Here's the fun of the story. I lived in a car for six months in the Hollywood Hills. I would wow. shower and shave at the Equinox in West Hollywood. Stop it. I was a member there. Yeah, that, that's the best. Listen, for gyms, that's the most popping gym on the planet. Let me tell that you. That was a okay? good one, too. The West Hollywood <laughs> location is bomb. Sick. Only problem is the the dude ratio got real heavy at nighttime showering, and and that was a little difficult West for Hollywood. me. <laughs> it was. I had no idea where West Hollywood. You know why I I I slept in West Hollywood because I thought that's where the studios were. Right. So I'm literally there six months, like an old man. I went from there, North Hollywood, 
Yeah, I was about to say, you got to get it for the NoHo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some NoHo action. North Hollywood, Woodland Hills. Yeah. Studio City, which is beautiful. Studio, Studio City is awesome. That's Studio where I first C- lived. Yeah? Yeah. I couch surfed in Studio City for a bit. You did. Dude, I did Studio City. Then I did Bel Air, Beverly Hills, Ooh. Sunset Plaza. So we, we right. upped it a little bit. There's nothing like being from Miami and living in California. That weather, the vibe, people see us differently than here, dude. Tell me about your LA experience, man. Oh my gosh, my it opened my eyes to so many things. It opened my eyes to so many things. Like I was, it was a really hard adjustment at first because like I lived in Studio City, but I worked in West Hollywood and Beverly Hills. So like I, and then I eventually moved to, to West Hollywood and like I got wrapped up in the club scene and the nightlife there. And it was the first time. What were the good clubs back then, Nikki? Oh my gosh. I don't even remember. Oh, was it was an area, right? Was area? No, it wasn't area. It was, it was How long ago was this? In 2010. 2010. That's a good 11 years, you know. And my, I did a lot of things. guys and dolls. Was guys and dolls around? Guys and dolls was around. Yeah, that's when I was there. We were in LA the same time because I left nice. in 2011. Yeah, that yeah, that's crazy. the same time. Mm-hmm. That is crazy, dude. So it was just that nonstop. Is- like it was just nonstop. Like that was like in in retrospect, that was like my college experience because I stayed here for college and you know, I went to FIU and I was doing the, like the whole heat dancer thing. And but my college years of like really exploring like my freedom and my power of choice right, without right. where I was making a salary that I didn't have to work seven jobs, you know, like and do things mm-hmm. that I didn't want to do. Um, I had a lot more freedom. I had a little bit more money to spend as well. Right. So right, I, was right. into, I was getting into all the things, like all the good things and on and see some wonky things too, you know? Who do you, who, who did you hang out with over there? Well, when I, like I had a big network of friends that moved from Miami to LA. No way. So I hung out you got lucky. You got yeah. lucky. Yeah. You want to hear a funny story? My best friend owns Sushia. You ever eat at Sushia? Mm-mm. It's on Sunset, right next to Le Petit Four. You've had to have eaten yeah. at Le Petit Four. No, I, uh, for sure. The sushi place right next to it is my boy. All right. So the next time you guys are out there. But anyway, dude, I love LA. You probably ate too at Portos. You ever eat at Portos? I think so. The Cuban bakery over there? Oh, no. I'm confusing that for something else. I haven't eaten at Portos. Like maybe maybe I didn't get into as much stuff as I thought I did. No, you did great. No, no, no. It's just a a great thing. You're over there. I never thought I would leave California, man. I, I go, this is the greatest thing in the world. I struggled a lot. My biggest struggle other than being young in Miami was Los Angeles. It, for me, I popped so quick because of my vibe and my Cubanness and my whole thing, mm-hmm. my positive attitude. I, I was the seeker before I knew what the seeker was. So everybody really gravitated towards me. But I had identity issues like crazy, Nikki. And then yeah. when, if, and I snuck into places. That's the key of my whole life is, is a Spanish word called un colao. This guy who gets mm-hmm. into groups they shouldn't be in. That's my vibe. <laughs> and um, probably like after from being in my car six months to coming out and to the real world and being in like Leonardo DiCaprio's house and these mm-hmm. famous people's houses. And when things got to me, I, I didn't, I should have said who I was. Say, listen, yeah, I've been mm. sleeping in my car. I'm a public school kid my whole life. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Biggest mm-hmm. failure in the history of Miami baseball. Instead of that, I go, no, I used to play for the Yankees. I got injured. And I fit them all because I'm Cuban. I'm tall. I got the whole Cuban thing going and baseball thing going. And then the wrong person Googled me, Nikki Spo, 
and that's it. <laughs> and I was oh, <laughs> and I was kicked out. And I had that probably for for six years that I was there because I didn't have a purpose when I was in Los Angeles. All of a sudden, I went there. You went there to act too, or you just went there to live? No, I just went there to live, to get out of Miami. I went to act, and I couldn't get an acting thing, man. I couldn't get an acting thing, and the only acting roles I would get was because I gave baseball lessons to the creator's kids. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I got on King of Queens, CSI. Like, I got on a lot of shows, but it was all because of this gift of me working with kids, and I didn't want to be a guy that worked with kids, ironically enough. Why? So I... Because I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a celebrity. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be, I, I wanted to be who I am now for the good, not for the evil. Because as I, when I speak Nikki and I go to places, I tell people, I go, man, my whole life, I wanted to be a dude that because my, my growing up was so unhappy, I related it to money. I mm. go, we're not happy because we don't have money. Right. Not because of a million other things. No, it's because we don't have money. So money equals happiness. Yeah. So here I am thrown in the middle of money and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I thought that me rolling up in a car and this presence and everything, that was happiness. And now as I get a, as, as I'm coach HP, I realize the more I lean into myself mm. and who I am, and yeah, it might've, it might grow to something else, but at the end of the day, no matter how much I try, I'm a kid that went to public school that took the yellow bus, yeah. that waited there, that didn't have a TV in his room. Mm. And if I would have done that over there, oh, my God. But I learned that later, man. Well, How we long were you in we LA? Don't know, right? Like, we don't know what we don't know. Listen, of course. And, and as I, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is I feel that you're a person right now that's at a very pivotal moment in your life because you have it split. There's no empathy for you. Like there's really no empathy for you. Right. So mm -hmm. because there's no empathy for you, people are either bullshitting you. Mm. <laughs> they don't really mean it, but they're like, oh, we're going to bullshit this girl. Right. And then other people are hating on you. So I almost feel that you're like in an Island somewhere. And then now that you started to become Nikki Spo, there's really no like, Oh, look at her. She's going to start a podcast. Oh, what does she know? It's bullshit. Right. So yeah. I'm like, fuck, I gotta get her on the show. I got to, A, give her props for what everything she's done so far, which is really, to fucking start this is hard. To start this as the wife of a known person is the fucking hardest thing in the world because if you screw this shit up, whatever. Now it got tied to him. God forbid on a podcast you say the wrong thing, <laughs> right? Which that hasn't happened yet, right? But it, hopefully, but it's if you're speaking from the heart, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then- and then that is, a, is another conversation, dude. So I have the utmost empathy for you. And I just, with what you're doing, I think, and why I think, and why I say you're at a crossroad is because if we get you the right way, mm. it could be fucking lethal because you could just really do a lot of impact, especially for good. Do you feel that at all? Well, first of all, thank you so much. Like your words mean a lot to me. Like it's, it is really scary, uh, to, to do this, especially like with my ties with my husband and just like creating a platform that like, I know that there's a lot of bullshitters, you know, where people might be just curious about like what our life is like together, what he's doing behind the scenes, you know, it's yeah. it, it, so it, it is, it's super scary. So thank you. 
you know, I think it, what comes to mind is like the difference between wanting to be a celebrity, which you like kind of touched on before. Right. And really understanding your why, like why something has to happen, because when you do things for the empty fame or like for the sole purpose of like whatever followers or look at me and it's like a base in self-centeredness and it lacks ultimately like lacks humility. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's ever really going to be fulfilling. And there's no amount of money in the world that can like, can fill that hole in a person's heart, like, or, or fame, right. That can like right. fill a person. And so staying true to my why, like why I'm doing this, why I'm trying to do like trying to pursue this Avenue is central to me because I can get so easily caught up in fear of like what people are thinking. Like I think, and it's so, it's actually like narcissistic, right? Like a part of that is a form of narcissism that I think everybody's look at me when really like, maybe I'm just not that important. Right. But if I stick <laughs> to what I'm doing, like, and I'm trying to just help women like come into a place of, into a place of deep inner knowing within themselves so they can go live badass life lives of their own. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, I don't give a shit what, what people think in the sense of like, who does she think she is? And like that voice plays in my head a lot. So it happens and it takes really? work for me to be like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like people are going to be hating on me anyway. Like if I'm sitting at home, they're going to be like, Oh, she's just like the cute little trophy wife or whatever. And like of the heat coach and me, 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 me with her kids. Like, Oh my, who does she think she is? Right. It's all of that. Right. And I was getting that. And let me tell you something, coach HP, you know this. It's like when you're not living in your true potential, like it deteriorates your soul. And so that's what I was doing to myself. Like by doing that, I'm like so concerned about what other people are thinking of me and like trying to live up to some like, like made up concept that like doesn't even exist that I was like hurting myself. Right. 1000% and with so much talent, man. And as I hear you talk about all this, this is the person that I think you're going to become on your podcast because who you were talking to me right now, mm. that's what's going to be fun. Because when you tie this, not that you're not this, but you're still like thinking a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. for, yeah, a for, sure. reasons, for a lot yeah. of reasons, for a lot of reasons. I get lucky because like, I'll give you a perfect example. You, I think you did such a good job on Gail's podcast. Gail's my boy Thank on you. the, on the boys and girls club one or big brother, big sister one. Right. Mm -hmm. The problem is he can't go deep on you because it's big brother, big sister. So he, he's got to keep it like in a very like, hey, well, let's go back. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Right. The beauty of this right now is we could throw down whatever you want to throw down and nobody's going to tell us shit. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. for you, that's going to be super liberating because you got so much to share, man. Your mom. Is your mom still alive? She is. Okay. How's your relationship with her? Is that even existing now? Do you do you feel a lot of guilt with her? Do you feel ashamed of her? How do you deal with that? No. So um, I am grateful because in my sobriety, in the earlier months of my sobriety, I hadn't even reached a year of sobriety yet. I was able to go into my mom's home. My mom is was an active alcoholic, a uh, using right. alcoholic. And, um, I was able to go and help her and send her to treatment, which is not something that I would have ever done if I did not have my sobriety. Right. Uh, you know, I faced my abuser in a lot of ways and I literally 
cleaned her up and got her on her feet for a bit. And so I was able to send her to treatment. And so she like, she wasn't at my wedding. She had, hadn't met my kids at this point. Like, so I haven't, I really, I don't have a relationship with her because it's not healthy for me to do that. Right. I have a, a family of my own now and I have, this to is right it. now. So you don't have a relationship with her. It, it's, it's complicated. Like, so I, I no, I don't talk to her at all. Um, Nikki, it's you're not talking to, no, listen to me. This, this is why I love, this is one of the reasons why you're the best. Listen, my dad lived his whole life. Okay. My dad lived his whole life for this moment right now to be a grandfather. Mm. Okay. Father's day just passed, but like two weeks ago or something that marks the 12th father's day that he hasn't seen his grandkids on my sister's side. Mm. And I haven't spoke and I was his last hope and I was his whole thing. I haven't spoken to him in two years and mm. he doesn't know my kids. Mm. And I have two of them. And he lived Nikki for this moment. Oh, in, 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 There's a tree called, there's a fruit in Spanish called mame. You heard of that fruit? Mm -hmm. Mame? Yeah. <clears throat> We have a mame tree in the back of our house. And my dad used to force me to sit there and he'd tell me stories. He'd be like, no, when I'm going to be a grandfather one day, I'm going to have this house paid off. You're going to come here with the kids and this whole beautiful thing. And he ruined it all himself. I got so much respect for you. And I'm going to tell you why. I call it the Cuban guilt. Like there's mm -hmm. a, so many people living life obligated to their parents when it's obvious their parents continue to fuck up while you're an adult and mm. i hate to say that but you can't have your parents ruin your life man your kid's life right so one of the things that like when i was going through the whole process of like deciding whether or not i wanted to invite her to my wedding people were like but she's your mom you're gonna regret that and i remember thinking to myself well i think you guys are thinking about your relationship with your mom how you Exactly. Would love to have her there. Like I cannot. Like I personally cannot. And oh, but you're going to regret it, Nikki. And I remember thinking, well, then I'll have to cross that bridge when I get there. You know, I just have to cross that bridge when I get there. And there's a distinct moment in my life that I remember. I was laying in bed with my husband, and I got a call in the middle of the night um, from the fire department that my mom had fallen, and that she they couldn't take her in. She was woozy, not talking right, and that they needed me to come over. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is a really important deciding moment in my life as an adult with my own family. Like if I go over there in the middle of the night, then I am chained to this forever. If I say that I've done my part, I've done my best. My mom is responsible for her own choices. You cannot fix other people if they don't want to change themselves. You can't make healthy choices for a person who is committed to being unhealthy. And I decided, and I cried that night, and I'm like, I looked at my husband, and I was like, I, I'm not going to go. And that was really crazy for me. I was like, and I had to like really like look within and say, okay, if something really bad happens, if the worst case scenario happens, am I going to be able to live with myself? And I had to really work hard to absolve myself that my mom's choices are not my fault. 1,000%, dude. I love that mindset because... My parents are gonna. So my parents got separated after 30 years. Mm. My dad's the youngest of wow. 15 kids. Wow. My dad prepared me for everything in life, Nikki, except to deal with him. Mm. I was glued to him 24-7. Always with old people, always giving mm. me life lessons. But he beat the shit out of me every single time I failed in baseball. So you're talking about a sport that out of 10 times you're gonna fail seven. 
Right. And we're talking about closed fist destroyed me in front of everybody. Nobody did anything, including my mom. Right. Yeah. Right. So as I, I, it, it, in a weird way, it's almost, I don't know if it's the best thing that could have happened to, but I prepared for this moment of my life. I go, don't worry, one day I'll be free and I'm going to help people and I'm going to do this whole thing. But as I look at it now as an adult, right? Mm. My dad X'd himself up. He's like, mm. he, like you said, with kids, we just had, when I had Penelope, she was probably two weeks old. And my dad just comes, just shows up at my house unannounced. It just mm. shows up at the house. I, I, I was like, you crazy? Well, nobody sleep. You've talked about this. Nobody's sleeping. Nobody's doing anything. And my dad just shows up and he's old school Cuban guy. And he wants like the visita. He wants the coffee and the talk and all this thing. Dinner prepared he, for him. He, he, no, no, but it's in the morning, Mickey, which is even oh, worse. No. He shows up at eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning. I and I pulled him, I pulled him aside. First time I've ever done this. I go, listen, man. Cause I lived in Vegas. So mm. I came back here in Miami and we were now, I had to control it. I go, listen, right. dude, you got to do me a favor, man. I go, Papa, you got to do me a favor in Spanish. I go, you got to call me, man. You just can't show up here. You got to call me. You can't show up here. Yeah. Nikki, you know what he did? He shows up. Okay. Like the following day and calls me from the driveway. He's parked in the driveway and he calls me. (laughs) And I have those, you know, those modern doors. I'm here, but I'm not coming in. I'm not like, I'm not using the door, but I'm I'm just in in the driveway. Nikki, you know those modern contemporary doors that you can see out? They can oh, see yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. I just see my boy parked there in the thing of like, oh, no. my God. He came in the house, and he – a lot of people do this. I don't know if you remember people doing this with your kids. They talk indirectly through their kids, but they mean to talk to you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, oh, your dad's so stupid. Your dad thinks he's – so my dad started doing that. I can't. And then I, I gave him an answer back. And he goes, ah, oh, you could take your fucking house and all your money and all your bullshit. You could shove it up your ass. Who do you think you are? And he left. And as he's leaving, I grabbed him. I go, listen to me. You're going to make a mistake right now. You're going to regret this. You can chill. You can relax with her. But remember, you wanted your house respected. This is my house. You it's got her. house now. Right. Nikki, he just took off, left. And here's the funny part. Like, two days later, I'm giving a lesson there at the boys club, whatever, working mm-hmm. with kids. And he just shows up like if nothing happened. So you know what I did? I go, perfect. I'm going to pretend nothing's happening too, but I'm not going to let you off the hook on this one. Mm. You're going to be, you're going to go on the record for this and you're going to have to come call me and tell me, listen, I'm sorry. I messed up. Mm. Whatever. That's it. Because if he, if he, and that's why I love you did that choice with your mom, because you, you, once you, you cut the umbilical cord of that, you're free. Yeah. And I read something or no, it was in like many, in one of the sessions of many, many years of therapy that I did to like you know, heal from the trauma that I endured when I was a kid. But it's like when you're a child, you don't have control over like what is done to you, right? You don't have control over your parents. You have to stick it out, right? Like for the most part, you have to stick it out. You don't have control. As an adult, you have the power of choice. You now have the power of choice. And a lot of times as adults, like who have, who were children that experienced trauma, we don't realize that we have choices. We go through our life thinking that we have no power and no voice and no power of choice. And so we become adults and it takes a minute sometimes to look and say, okay, wait, I have the choice. I don't have to endure this treatment anymore. I can choose. Oh, but she's your mom. Oh, but he's your dad. You know, you need to take care of him. You're obligated. No, I don't have to. I can't. Yeah. It's Hell not yeah. good for me. It's not good for my family. It's not good Hell for my yeah. health. For me, It's not good for my sobriety, which is the most important thing in my life. I will say that is my sobriety is the first thing in my life. 
Nikki, that's interesting because you talk about sobriety. I, I, we, I, we talked about this during our conversation. I've never had a drink before in my life. Right? I know you told me that. Yes. The only time I ever tasted alcohol was when I would kiss girls that would drink in clubs or whatever. And then I'd be like, <laughs> oh, that tastes interesting. But I never tried it, never tried drugs, never tried anything, right? My dad, I think if I look at it now, he's an alcoholic because mm. he was always drinking. It was always beer and stuff like that, right? You now, the hardest decision is to realize that you have a problem. Before you even get help, you got to realize, fuck, man, I'm fucked up. I need help. Yeah, right. How did you get there? Oh, my gosh. It was scary. It was scary. I was alone a lot. You know, like my husband travels for work. And so right. I, it like got a lot worse. I think it was always there. Like I was always the girl who would like drink all night long. Um, what was your drink of choice? Uh, vodka soda. Like Just when vodka I was soda? going out. Vodka soda, like yeah. if I was going out. And then like when I was home, like after I had my kids, I would drink wine. Wine. Yeah, because wine was always, it's always available. It's like totally normal to have. You know, it's not hard liquor. Right. Right. right, right. So, like, I got into this space where I would like mommy guilt or mommy wine culture, and I hate it now. Like, in hindsight, I just hate it. And I just bought into it. I was like, I birthed a child. And so, therefore, I deserve to get lit tonight. And it would start off really innocent, like one glass of wine to relax, but that became more and more and more and more. And Dude, I have so much empathy for you in that because. It's it's something that when you started to think, oh my God, I'm out of control. How did you notice that? You just noticed that I'm drinking every day or somebody told you? How was that? Uh, it was evident in my behavior. Like I was getting depressed. I was acting out. I would have blackouts. Like I wouldn't remember things. Like I would wake up and not want to see my son. I had one son at the time, you know, like, and things. Like I, would, I wouldn't remember things from the night before. Like I would get into like fights and not like physical fights, but like, I'd get into arguments with people that like I wouldn't be able to recall and I'd be like burning bridges that I couldn't even remember having done. Damn. Um, yeah. You, and what's you, crazy is like I my, all my friends are drinkers and my dad like drinks too. And like we, my dad and I, like we went through life dealing with my mom. And so I wasn't doing any of those, like the, those crazy things. Right. So sometimes people think like, okay, no, you're not like your life isn't a complete disaster. Right. 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 So you must not, be in that bad of a space, but I knew I was in a bad space and I knew that I was losing my soul. Like it was like soul crushing. Like I was just like, I felt like I was in a box and I just kept drinking because I was mad that I was in the box. And the more I drank, the more in the box I, I was like, it was Dude, like just horrible, like cycle. Yeah. What's up with this postpartum thing, man? How crazy. crazy is life? And as a dude yeah. who has two young kids younger than yours, and I'm in the mm -hmm. mix with it. Mm-hmm. I sit there and I'm like, oh my God, there's, there's, we don't prepare anybody for anything. Right. Like they should, in high school, there should be a class on postpartum. In college, there should be a postpartum thing of how to deal sure. with postpartum. What are the signs as a spouse of a person? Yeah. How to deal with it. How to not say, oh, you're crazy. Or you're being a bitch. Or you're overreacting. Yeah. You're stupid. You're thinking. What advice do you have for women that are feeling postpartum, that are feeling weird? How did you know? Was it that your hormones were all over the place? Talk to me. I just knew that I wasn't myself. I knew that I wasn't myself. And I was like, I don't care what anybody says. Like, I don't feel right. Like, you can't convince me that I feel right. Like, there's no convincing me. Oh, no, just stick it out. Just be tough. You got this. No, I'm not okay. I'm just not right. And I need to go talk to somebody.
and let's call it what it is so that I can get better so I can get right. help. And then like, I'm not ashamed to say it. I like, I went on medication for a bit because I was like, I need, I need help. I, it's not, I'm not above that. Right. Like I'm here to live my, the best quality of life. It's the best thing I did was to get professional help. And I've been, listen, I've been seeing a therapist since I was like a teenager. And this was just another time in my life that I was like, I have to utilize that so that I can get better. But it's all like, a lot of it is related for me. Like the isolation, the no sleeping, like sometimes I wonder like how much of this is like the no sleep. Like it's, it gets fuzzy sometimes. Like how much of it is the no sleep and the erratic eating and like the complete like life change of having your first child, you know, yeah. and having the support yeah. systems in place to cope with those changes. Dude, you said something interesting on a show. You said that, which I understand totally. You said, listen, and even having, which half a lot of people would be like, oh, she's so lucky. Even having a in-home nurse mm -hmm. at nighttime is still weird because you have somebody in your house. You're yeah. responsible for them. You can't be yourself. You can't come out dressed a certain way. You got to be right. covering up. That's almost like a weird thing in itself, right? For sure. Yeah, that's definitely it. I had like, and I had one, one person like, and it also is like the energy, right? Like it's, it's very vulnerable to like, try to leave your child with somebody that you're kind of just met. Right. And yeah. so like, even when you're getting ready to like leave the house or something and you have like these concerns, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to watch the camera. I want to make sure that this person's doing the right thing. I caught somebody once, like I was trialing a baby nurse and then like I watched her on my camera and I, I saw her like yelling at my infant, like yelling at him, like telling him to shut up. And I was like, what the F? You know, like, so it's, it's like all of these things that are happening for new moms and families, like first time parents, especially like that. They're like, just like flying by the, by the seat of their pants, like trying to figure it out. Like it's a lot like families and, and women's especially aren't as supported as like people were back in the day, like back in, back in time, we used to live in villages where like, like the community took care of the children, you know, Kings and Queens, like the, the, the baby was handed off to like a team of nurses. You know what no, I mean? and, and you're and you're listen. Look at that. Look at Simba and the Lion King. Now you, uh, <laughs> you. It's just because you fall under our category, which is, I don't know what uh, Eric's family is situation is, but we have no help. So mm -hmm. when you don't have like, if, because if you had a solid mom, then it's different because then you could lean on her. You could do stuff. But right. When you eliminate that. Now it's you. And like you said, it's hard because you're like, fuck, I don't know what to do. You mentioned something here, which I want to talk about, which is mother instincts. Mother instincts are so underestimated. You found something with your son, I think it was the lip thing. Yeah. That you were like, doctors are not seeing it. I've noticed something, right? We, so when we, my cousin is one of the best pediatricians in Miami, dude's a beast. Okay. His whole life. But we call people like that Wajito. Kind of like countryish in Spanish, like you know, mm -hmm. country like old school. They're like, ah, oh, you know, just you, you'll walk it off or whatever. Yeah. I noticed when my daughter, my wife noticed that her when she was young, because she was a breech baby, mm. she she had a little her neck was she had a little torticollis, what it's called now. Mm. And my cousin was like, nah, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and we went to therapy for it. She did the little thing. She didn't have to wear the helmet, but we would have put the helmet if you needed mm. it. Of course. People now, it's almost like, and I want to get your opinion on this. And if you think about this, because you always think of, no, maybe, no wonder my mom was an alcoholic. Nobody supports these fucking moms. Right. It's just, that was maybe her escape. 
No wonder half these women are now going crazy because there was all these, look at all these things. And some people fall under the thing of like, I don't know, if, you can, if the old school did it, why can't you do it? Right. versus not using technology. Do you ever think about that? Yeah, no, I think about it all the time because like, I think my husband was that guy for a bit. Like my mom did it by herself. My sister did it by herself. And like all these people that we know did it by themselves. Right. And I was like, well, whatever, like we are not those people. And like, I'm like, (laughs) maybe, maybe their husband wasn't like in a traveling profession, like super intense, like situation, Um, you know, and maybe they were by themselves. Like who knows? But we don't have to do things the way that our parents did them, right? No, and way. So no way. It's funny because now, like, we went and we, yeah, we hired a, a night nurse and we hired, we have a, an amazing nanny who we love. It's been with us since our first son was born. And now, my husband, when people, when other men are like on the fence about whether to hire help, like, I send, I send my husband on to get on a call with them because he is like the biggest advocate 1, of getting 000. help for your, for your family, but also, especially in the early days, for the mom. Right, one thousand percent. Yeah, so you now guys, my husband goes out and convinces all the other men. I love no, it. No, no, no. It's going to be the best money you've ever spent. The best money you've ever spent. And I like, love I, it. I converted him. Like to I love it. He is a supporter of women in that way, and it's just it's awesome to see it because once you like get through this concept that women have to do and be all of the things all of the time, like everybody's going to be happier that way. Listen, when we I've, stop putting all that pressure. A thousand percent. I always think that the woman is the superior here and genders. Uh, you guys are so much. The strength stuff is there, but just the internal strength you got to have, the mindset, the emotions, the body changes. That the, that thing. period thing once a month destroys you guys. The PMS <laughs> blah, yeah. blah, 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 is so hard. And they don't talk to us dudes about that. It's literally. Right. Just, just go, Nikki. How are we doing in time? Are we doing good? I'm good. You good? I don't know. I'm, I'm ready to go. How do you feel? You feel good about this? You're doing great. great. So yeah, you're, you're yeah. crushing it, man. You're crushing it. You mentioned that thing of always. You and we talked. You said something that you felt guilty of using your husband's success for your thing, right? Oh you yeah. You talked about that. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, let me let me back up because that's like it's super that's a loaded topic. Um when Eric and I started dating, um you know, there was a lot of talk like oh my gosh, she's so much younger, she's a heat dancer. She How much be- younger? How much younger by the way? I'm 17 years younger than him. Nice. I like mm-hmm. it. Go for it. So she must be a gold digger, this and this and that, you know. And I was, I was young. Like I was 20 at the, like I have known Eric since I was 19 years old and I'm 34 now. So we've been like in love for 15 years now. We've been married. We'll celebrate our fifth wedding anniversary this year. But when we, when we became like public with our, with our relationship, people got really ruthless. Um, Like people, there was an article that published a picture of my DUI mugshot. Like this is, this is Eric Spolstra's new little girlfriend. This is what he's dating. And that was like really humiliating for me. Um, it was devastating. Like that was something that was, that happened to me that I was private about that. I didn't tell my family about my in-laws about like, so these are things that were like really, really affected me. And so I, let me ask you a question. Whoa, whoa, whoa. let's not, we can't pass Mm -hmm. it. Hold on a second. Do you still (laughs) have that picture? Yeah, dude. I, you got to listen. The, the, that thing is is huge. I, I think that's a huge point for you, that picture. Number one. 
Number two, I, I would even make that listen. I if that were me, that'd be the cover of my podcast. That's right, huge. Like, right, my like Instagram photo. Dude, I'm <laughs> telling you, like a t-shirt. Like I, that's I go big on that. You even thinking of because I'm sure maybe that crossed your mind. Like, oh my god, if I go down, if I settle with this dude, he's known. My past is gonna come up. This one. Did you worry about that at all? Um, a little bit. But it was a, like a totally different animal when I get like I'm at my place of work and like a gossip columnist calls me on the phone and is like, hey, can you tell us about this DUI that you got? And I'm like, what the F? Wow. Like, what the F? I was like, holy shit. Right. So that was I mean, that was that was a crazy time. Like I was super embarrassed. Um, and so I started to feel a lot of shame in who I was. And I'm not saying that it was just because of that moment, but like a lot of these things, like this narrative that was being like put out right? That like people were giving like prematurely judging me, um, was really, really difficult. And I started to like, I started to put myself in the box. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I was like terrified to make a mistake. Right. So, but needless to say, these things happen. Right. And I, I put myself in the box because I was terrified of like making mistakes. And so I would do that. And all of my things afterwards came like, Oh my gosh, like I became like hyper paranoid and hypersensitive about things. And rightfully so, like there's certain other things that happened after that, that were like totally crazy that I, gotta, I had somebody like threatened to kill me at my job. Like that was, that was nuts. Where like did I was you work? Where did you, where, where were you working? Oh, as a teacher. As, as a teacher. Right. So I was a oh teacher then for five years at Slam Academy in Little Havana. And like a person would like harass me online and be like, I'm going to come to Slam and shoot you. Why? Was, Just because crazy? Yeah, she like she, this person was like, you you got my man, all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, and she's like, I'm gonna shoot you if you hang out with him again. Oh she's like, watch, look out God. your window. I remember thinking like this person was like t like tweeting at me like, look out your window. I'm like, I live <laughs> oh in a 17 God. on the 17th floor. Thank you very much. So I know you're not <laughs> out my window, bitch. But like, <laughs> oh off. my God, you know? dude. That is so all these crazy. things happen. Wait, where did you where was this going? Like be like having him and like using his okay, like using his success, right? So okay, then a part so this is all connected because like a part of me started like feeling like no, 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 I need to prove I'm not a gold digger, I need to prove I'm not stupid, I need to prove I'm not a hot mess, right? And I'm right. like, what the F? I know who I am. I know who I am, I know what my intentions are. How I'm I'm not gonna let you write a narrative about me. And so for a while I like just didn't, I like tried, I would go into meetings and like pretend I wasn't married to him. <laughs> like, try to, like, <laughs> yeah, like, Oh, what does your husband do? I'm like, Oh, he's a high school coach. They're like, you drive a, like a really nice car for a high school income. I was like, Oh okay. my God. You know, he's really good at dodgeball. My husband's really good at dodgeball. So yeah, he's a, he, he coaches dodgeball for like a college, you know, extracurricular thing. Oh my God. I would dude. pretend. I would legit pretend. You know, and if people, Make if it, I felt like if people knew that about me, that I then wouldn't be like get real credit. That's what it is. I felt like if people associated with me with him, that I wouldn't be credited for what my, my gifts are. Right. Like it'd be right. like, and oh, if only they knew your backstory. What's that? And if only they knew your backstory, that's proof enough. Because oh, right, if, and so I think that's the power of it. Like the power of yeah. telling your story, any person telling your story. I'm like, I know what my clout is. I know yeah, what my clout uh, is because I lived it every day. And guess what? I still live it every day, and I make sugar out of shit every day. So right, right, right. Like that's that's what I have to just be really 
sure and affirmed in is that like, and it comes back to that, like knowing my why, why am I doing this? Am I doing it for attention? No, I'm doing it to help people. Like that's what I want to do. I want to help people. I want people, I want women to feel less alone. I want people to, women to know that they can be themselves. They can be all of the things. We're multifaceted. We are not one thing. I am not only Eric Spolcher's wife. I'm not only a coach's wife. I'm not only a mother. I'm not only a former heat dancer. You know, right, I'm, right, right, so, right. I'm like a lot of things. And I'm not saying that like I'm the best things. I'm saying I am many things. Nikki, you mentioned something interesting there. You married a guy that hustled right from the beginning that went Super. from video this to where he's at now. Yeah. So underestimated just because of the teams he had placed and the whole situation, all this stuff, man. What have you learned from him that you apply now to your success and what you're doing? What have you learned? I, I get like borderline emotional thinking about it when I talk about Eric sometimes and how much I like admire him as a human being is that he is the hardest working person I've ever met in my life. Like he, like he believes in his why more than anybody I know. He is committed to the process. He's relentless. He is unwilling to give up. That to me is beautiful. And I've seen it even like throughout the years of our marriage, like we are unwilling to give up on each other, right? He has been relentless in pursuing the next thing. And what's great, what I find to be so um, admirable about him is that he's never really done it with the idea of getting to the next place. Right? right. He's not doing this to get that. He's doing this right now. So like he's doing this right now. Like, let me take you back to like when he was a video coordinator and I didn't know him, but I know enough about him now to know like, and I knew him as an assistant coach. It's like, he's doing his job in the moment to be the best person for the job in that moment for that job. He's not being a, the best video coordinator to get promoted to scout. He's not being the best scout to get promoted to assistant coach. He wasn't being Oof. the best assistant coach to be promoted to head coach. He was being the best assistant coach to serve Stan Van Gundy and Pat Riley. Yeah, that's, 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 that's. It was service oriented and that's how he does it to this day. He is the best head coach he can be for himself in order to serve the players and our, what's, and our program. What's up with the Olympic thing? Does that have you excited? Oh yeah, I'm super excited. I'm You're really excited and proud that like Eric gets the opportunity to um coach the US select team. So the select team is the team that like prepares that competes again, Team USA, um, to prepare them to go to Tokyo. Has your basketball IQ grown obviously during all this time or not? Okay, yeah. So it has. I am not a sports girl. Like I am not a sport. I didn't grow up in a sports family. I didn't know anything about right. it. Like when I met Eric, I was like, you're I like when he said he was an assistant coach, I was like, he's an assistant to the coach. So he's the guy. He's, like the coffee. <laughs> he's the coffee guy. He's the coffee guy. <laughs> and then when he told me he was getting promoted to head coach, I was like, you're kidding. How does that work? I was like, I don't get, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. <laughs> like it was a total ditch thing, like no perspective on it. And till this day, like you're not going to catch me watching like a football game by myself. Right. I'm not like, right putting soccer on by myself. Like now that I have kids, I'm like, I put it on to keep them in the loop of what's going on and the things that they like. They like soccer. They like football. They like, like basketball. Right. I, everything that I know about basketball is because of Eric. I've learned so much through him, through his family. Um, and like now, especially as a mom that I'm like teaching, like, mom, like they'll ask me, they'll watch the game and be like, mommy, what's going on? And I'm like, I know this. I know the answer to that. Yeah. Like, I know the answer to that. <laughs> do mom, you have to watch the games now? I don't have to do anything. I like, do you like I, them? Do you I like watching to. them? I love it. Yes. 
of course. Like it's not like a, it's not like a like a task. It's like this is what this is our life together. This is part of how we get to live a beautiful life. Mm -hmm. Like my husband gets to go to work doing a job that he loves more than anything in the world. Like know, not special. a lot of people are doing that. Listen, and the stress that a, if coaching literally is a big deal, a professional team that stress is is through the roof. And it's always like the vibe of the house. It's hard to be happy when you get destroyed or when you're on a losing streak and stuff like that. Do you notice that at all or no? It's, it's been hard. It's gotten be so much better over the years. Like obviously like relationships on their own without this, like without this pressure, like this type of job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they evolve over time too, right? So like when you start to cohabitate with somebody, right? Like it was not as easy then because that was new for us. Like living together was new for us back then. Like now it's a lot better. Even like when we were getting, when we were married before we had kids, you know, there was more room like to like let like the disappointment linger, right? Now we have kids, there's disappointment. We deal with it. He deals with it on his own. I deal with it on my end. We deal with it together. But the next morning, it's still about our family. Yeah. Like yeah. our family joy is not determined by wins and losses. I like Clearly. that. I like that. Nikki, do you wish you had a girl? Um, I am open to what the universe has for me. <laughs> I really am. Like I love, I love being a boy mom. I think it's it's awesome and I love having the responsibility of being able to raise good men mm -hmm. and really show them what it takes to be a good man, even though I'm not a man, <laughs> but like just knowing that I can be responsible of how they're going to treat their peers, you know, having not fully responsible because at the end of the day, they're going to be their own people, but like have a hand in teaching them how to treat people, how to treat women, how to treat people who are different than them, whether that's race sexual orientation, gender right. orientation, right, right. anything, right? Like old, young, everything. Just right. teach them how to treat people with kindness regardless of their differences and how to also like stand up for what's right, right? I say a prayer with my kids every night. It's like I ask God for them to, for God to give them strength, kindness, compassion, and the willingness to stand up for what's right. And my kids have, well, my older son has that, that line memorized. Look at that. God, I love that. Strength to be kind, brave, kind, compassionate, and always willing to stand up for what's right. My three-year-old says that every night. I love that. I love that. Nikki, a couple more questions. A couple more questions because you're crushing it here. Do you see yourself getting a studio or do you see you, are you going to maintain in the house? I want to get a studio eventually because um, I want to have my own space like to go to leave and yeah. compartmentalize a little bit better. I like that. You know, as a, as a mom, and I think like it's great to be a a working mom that works from home because I get to be very involved with my kids. But as my kids get older and like they eventually start going to school and have a more regular schedule, I definitely want to have like my own place so that I can separate. And you're going to have a microphone and do the whole thing. Yeah, and everything. Like have a, like a proper studio and like have guests be able to come. What part of town? Studio. What part of town are you thinking? I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like, like Winwood is Winwood is dope. And I think there's a lot of great spaces over there. Um, would love that's, that. Like, that's where Andrew Schultz had his. Oh, really? In Winwood. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then what's this, like, it's a new place, not, it's not new, but it's like north of like Bisc. it's like Biscayne and like 30th, it's called, there's like a name for the neighborhood. I can't remember it. Like Water's Edge or something? Is that what it is? 
Edgewater? It's, it's like north of Edgewater, like by Mandolin Aegean, that restaurant. It's like up Midtown? It's not Midtown, is it? It's like past, it's a little bit past the design district. It's still up and coming, kind of. Okay. I'll figure out the name and I'll get back to you. But, but those like are good that, because you're close to the beach and you're close to the grove right. and coral gables right. and stuff. It's a little far for me, right? Like I like I would love to have an office space in Coral Gables, but I know that that's a little bit south for like people who live. And the yeah, yeah, over the causeway or whatever, and people that come, I I totally get it, totally get it. What's your favorite type of music? Uh, rock and roll. Who's and your Indian. favorite? Who's your favorite rock and roll person? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Favorite Red Hot Chili Peppers song? Oh my gosh, so many. Dozed, can't stop. So those, what's your number one? Would it be those? Yeah. Favorite restaurant here, in Miami, Nikki? Is there one you like to go to a lot? I'm a fast food girl. <laughs> All right, now we're talking. Let's Listen, talk fast it's food. It's like my secret thing that okay. I love. I love okay. fast food. We're going to get so... into fast food, but give me your favorite like restaurant. If you were to go out, what's your favorite restaurant? Where do I want to go? I like to, you know, I don't have a favorite. I like going to new places and trying new ambiances. Like Hillstones is going to be always our like my Eric and I together, like our favorite place to go because the food is always reliable and like we each are like the type of people that need to rely on like a good meal and something that is always consistent. All right, so we all right. go to Hillstones the most. Paracones. We used to love Paracones. Dude, what happened to that place? Why yeah, that place? So they're on they Coral Way now. They moved. From Brickle? Yeah. So they're just like off Brickle and like where Brickle meets Coral Way there. What a mistake. That place was beautiful. No, I know, you know it was beautiful, but it's still, it's still owned by Steve Paracone and he's still serving up the same good food. That lasagna, man. And lasagna it's a staple. Like it's just, it's a Miami staple. So that would the, be, and that would be my favorite. That lasagna is out of control. Mm. You mentioned fast food. There was a time you said that you were eating a lot and you were eating a lot of fast food and you weren't working out, weren't doing anything. What is your favorite fast food? McDonald's. Okay. Now you're and talking my Taco language. Bell is a close whoa, second. Whoa, okay. okay. I, I've never had Taco Bell in my life. That's disgusting. So we're going to get out of that. You see, I, I see, you see, it's like my seat. That's why I don't share it because I want to talk McDonald's. Let's okay. talk McDonald's. Okay. We're going to take the step by step. Okay. McDonald's breakfast. What are you having? The McGriddle, the sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddle. With what else? A Diet Coke. That's it. Mm hmm. Okay. The hash, their hash browns are like are a little bit oily, oily for me. Like I prefer Burger King hash browns. So you're so you're going, uh, McGriddle. What type did you say again? Sausage, egg, and cheese. Sausage, egg, and cheese with Diet Coke with mm -hmm. ice or no ice? With ice. Okay. I go sausage and egg and cheese McGriddle with, but I do that second. First, I go sausage, egg. Biscuit, mm, mm -hmm. okay, with grape jelly. Pour the grape Mom. jelly on the thing, right? I eat the biscuit, then I go for the McGriddle, and I'm gonna tell you something. It's pretty gross. I've never told you, but I'm gonna toast you. And mm -hmm. I, I do a, I do the Coke with no ice, right? Okay. You know what happens after? I don't know if this ever happened to you, but this is gross. But I'm gonna say, it. I love. Sometimes the food comes back out a little oh, bit. I can't even hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I, so crazy. <laughs> I chew it and I swallow it back in and it tastes so good. Has that ever happened to you? It has not. No, I can't say that it has. Dude, with the McGriddle, you're the first person I've ever said this to, but I said, if I ever get the opportunity to share this, I'm going to share this. I can't so, that. I don't know what's worse, Taco Bell or that. 
That could be that. That's gross. But it just right? tastes so good with the soda and stuff like that. Okay. Soda? And I only do that with that. That's a sign that the food's horrible for you because the fact that it wants to. Or that I'm eating it so fast, whatever. Let's I get into would eat, when I was pregnant, when I was pregnant with, with my second son, Dante, I ate it like three times a week. It was okay. Now, but let's get into lunch and dinner. So okay. I would do the same lunch and dinner. Give me your lunch or dinner, both McDonald's. Okay. Give it to me. Lunch is the two cheeseburgers with French fries and a Diet Coke. Okay. And like sometimes I'll add like a like a small order of the chicken nuggets. Oh, I love that. All right. And then I like to mix ketchup and mayonnaise together. And okay. I put that on every put that on everything. I respect that. And dinner. Um, and then that's like the crispy chicken sandwich. Meal or just by itself? The meal. Yeah. With a Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. So you're a Diet Coke girl. I used to be a, like seriously addicted seriously. to Diet Coke. Okay. I go number four, which is a double quarter pounder, plain Nikki with just cheese, large fries, large Coke, no ice, six piece chicken McNuggets, just the mm. nuggets, mm -hmm. four sweet and sour sauce, because I'm sweet mm -hmm. and souring everything That's there. Good and then, which I'm super pissed that they did this, caramel sundae, extra caramel, four or three packs of peanuts. There's no more peanuts. And you know, there's no more peanuts anymore. I did not know that. There's no more peanuts. Yeah. See? I didn't know that. But, you know, in college, when I used to um, get an A on an exam, which was actually often, okay, I would like, I would drive my myself to McDonald's and get a fudge sundae. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With peanuts um, or without peanuts? Without peanuts, but like extra fudge. Extra fudge. Huh? I don't wow. like nuts. I'm a, I, I, peanut and ice cream, I don't know why it tastes so good. Yeah, Nikki, <laughs> I, I'm the happiest guy in the world, man. And I, since I'm an extremist, I either do nothing of something or I do a lot of it. Same. I, when I go crazy, like I told my wife now, I go, do not, don't, don't test me. I, I was in tremendous shape as an athlete. It was whatever. I, I got married, uh, happy times. I'm, to me, I relate food and happiness a lot mm -hmm. of time. And mm -hmm. if I don't, and I've been an athlete my whole life, when the pandemic hit, I dropped 45 pounds and, and it isn't even noticeable, but it just was, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just, I, I just think of Pepsi and I get happy. I could, if I could dive in a Pepsi, I'd be so, so happy. That. You know, it just <laughs> with no ice, I just go like a vacation mode. You know what I'm saying? Love. Nikki Spoke, I think you, I think I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy that you're outside of your comfort zone. I'm so happy that you are pushing the charge of what you're doing. I think eventually your show is going to become more than just women. I think you're gonna go into, I think you're gonna go into the arts. I see that. Like you talking about art, talking about people's stories. I think you're gonna go across. I think you're gonna get into sports. I think you're gonna use that avenue. I in our conversation, I said it. I go, listen, I think this is your time to attack because you have everything in your favor. You're coming out of the pandemic. You're really in tune with yourself. When things come up, hopefully you're in a position where you can share them on your show. That's a benefit that I have. Like mm -hmm. I can, I wish I could share everything. I told yeah. my wife, I wish I could talk about everything. I feel bad for her on a couple of things, but I, I wish because I'm an open book yeah. and I want to share everything with everybody. Before I let you go, any questions for me? Anything I can help you with? 
I'm just grateful. Like I want, I want to be like a student. I want you to teach like a class for, for me. <laughs> like just, I want to take your class. But a class on what though? Coach, a class on coach what? AP class. Like just continuing to spread, like to connect with people. Like I feel like you are such a person who can connect with people and have the purest of tension of intentions, and that resonates, right? Like it's not something that is even obvious at. Like, it's not like overt, right? Like it's something that is just who you are. And I think that's so amazing. And I think I just want to be more like that. I want to be able to serve people in a way that is not about me and, and more about them and giving people power, right? And freedom. And I like the, I like the, I like that you said that because I'm that way because in a weird way, my life doesn't mean anything to me. And I'm the most positive guy in the world, but mm -hmm. I've accomplished everything that I've wanted to in life. Mm. To me, I've my goal was never to have the number one podcast. I didn't think mm -hmm. about that. My mm -hmm. goal was just to be happy. I mm -hmm. married the hottest woman that I can have. I never, I never even wanted to get married. The fact that I got married was huge. The fact that I'm a faithful guy married to me blows my mind every single day. The fact that I have two kids. That I wanted to be like Oprah. I wanted to everybody's kids be like my kids. And now I got two kids. And, and I so I can literally die today. Something happened to me today. I think about all time. And I'm the happiest guy in the world of all time because my life to me now is like I'm on bot time. So because I have that vibe, mm. <clears throat> I never talk to anybody thinking, oh my God, this is my opportunity. Oh my God, right. here I can do this. Oh my. I could care less about that. I talk about this is my opportunity to help her. Yeah. The minute Absolutely. I get your info and I talk to you when I, that phone call, I'm so happy that I could be like, Nikki Spo, what's up? Like if I've known you my whole life I and know, then it's up to you, like, and it's up to you to think, is this guy crazy? Is this fucking out of his mind? He's never met him. And if you don't like that vibe, you can hang up the phone and go somewhere else. The fact that I don't have to be like, Hey Nikki, how are you? This is Hector calling you from. It's like blah, blah, blah. so right. That to me, you have that. You've shown that on this show. This interview is going to go down in your career so big because this is the most hair down interview you've done so, so far. far. So yeah, far. so far. So, yeah, you're so right. You do, no, you're right. So you do the fucking Today Show or some bullshit. Well, you're going to do it. You can do it, right? You're going to look back at someone and be like, "Oh my god, where did I? Where did I do this? Oh, the Coach HP show. That's right. No, the guy I'm who slangs positivity twenty four seven. Same thing with you." That's what I think the future of your thing is. Did you start the YouTube yet, Nikki Spoke? Yes, I did. I did. All right. So I got to subscribe to that. You didn't tell me. There's so, one video up. Okay. We did that. I've yeah. I like sent all of my stuff, my footage to my editor, and we're now we're backtracking. So we're getting episodes one through five. Perfect. Like edited for to be ready for video. Yep. How many episodes are you in the know with Nikki Spoke? How many have um, you said five? We have episode six airing on Tuesday. So you're airing shows every Tuesday? Um, every other Tuesday. Every, so every other two Tuesday. weeks, yeah, I, I release a show. I have about 10, no, eight, eight recorded. And I have like, I ha so I have them in, in, in the tank ready to go. And you like that bi-weekly thing? I do, yeah. So it gives you time to do your stuff. It gives me time like to also be like, I'm a mom, like, and I have other things happening here. Like, so it gives me time until I get like the rhythm. And this is so new for me still that I like a lot of it is still like a learning curve, a learning process, doing the show write up, you know, like that takes me time. I like to, what like, is the show write up? Oh, like I, your notes. Yeah. Like I do show notes that I like post to, um, what is it? Um, Look at the Nikki Spo notes right there. You see that? <laughs> I love that. That's the big notes right there. Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> 
dude you are going to crush it tiktok have you started tiktok yet nikki you gotta oh, start tiktok I'm gonna dude start, i'm gonna start tiktok okay and and but, but i don't want you to think of tiktok like oh i gotta dance no no you're a dancer anyway mm. so if you do that that's a plus but you clip your shows and you put it in that tiktok is growing so fast that I'm you can I, believe use, you. I trust you i'm telling you i've i've gained in in a week 500 subscribers in wow. followers whatever in tiktok majority of them are young but it's just a feature that i just answer because I, I could answer people back in video form mm -hmm. and nobody does that who's going to answer something but i do i take my time and i try to answer as many people as possible hey thank you for the i just say thank right. you for the comment have a great day that's it and it's a big thing you're going to be in a big position to inspire a lot of people nikki spoke where can the people find by the way i saw two channels on nikki spoke yeah, why did you so, split it up so my personal account is nikki sap spo and that is like where I've gained the most um, followers and like then my network is the largest. And so that my account there is verified and I split off and I have a page that is the no with Nikki Spo that is all only podcast related things. You don't think of doing both one together, Nikki? Sometimes. Like sometimes. I, I like that because you that do. way it's yes. You know why? Because the more people know about Nikki Spo, I, I to me, the people that I've, does Joe Rogan do too? No, mm -hmm. he does one. And I think people are so interested in you. And the more people get to know you, I think the more they're going to like you. And your page is very pottery barn. Mm -hmm. It's very happy and ah, cool. Mm -hmm. But when you start hitting it with your truth, that's when people are going to, and I told you this in the conversation, people are going to love you. And I think the more you show of you eating McDonald's, people are going to love that too. <laughs> Mickey, next, time don't go, next time i go I'll, I'll make sure to feature it dude oh that you want a video to blow up if you sit there oh this i didn't ask you this i would love like almost like a creeper or a cataway eating it in my car alone i love it would, too would you do that too that's what i do i don't bring it home i eat it as soon as possible no or, or not eat or not not sit there unless in vegas i would because there was these nice ones in vegas that that had nice views and stuff, but I'd sit in my car with the AC, watch a, a YouTube something, whatever, and, and eat the eat the McDonald's. Nikki, where can the people find you? So you can go to www.nikkispo.com. My podcast, The No with Nikki Spo, is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to connect with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can reach me on Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The No with Nikki Spo. Guys, everybody out there, give her love. Nobody from my audience hate on her. Give her love. I'm telling you, all the baseball moms that religiously ask me all these questions. Nikki, I got moms asking me why their kids cry and they need help with that. Mm -hmm. Nikki Spo knows a lot of stuff. Reach out to her. Follow her. Support her. Leave her comments. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 